0: Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to talk today about being fishers of men. There were two quotes in the Bible that we see in uh, Matthew 4:19 and Mark 1:17, where Jesus is out walking and he comes across some fishermen, and he said, uh, and it says in the Bible, the quote is, "And he saith unto them, Follow me." I will make you fishers of men. And in Mark one seventeen, it says, And Jesus said unto them, Come ye after me. Which is So it's not a direct quote. Evidently he said, Follow me. And then in the other place he says, Come ye after me, which is basically follow me. And I will make you to become fishers of men. So were they going to be fishers of men by appointment? by what they do. You know, that's a, a simple little concept. You know, people say Moses spoke with authority. Jesus spoke with authority. But where John the Baptist actually spoke to and and they said, by what authority did he speak? And they wouldn't answer. And Jesus knew they wouldn't answer and that that's why he asked the question, and they stopped asking questions after that. Jesus was really big on not answering the direct question. A lot of times he would Answer a question with a parable or a story or another question. Or, you know, like, are many saved or a few? And Jesus would say, yes. Strive. Well, wait a minute. You didn't answer the question, Jesus. I asked you, are many saved or a few? And you didn't answer the question. Should we indict Jesus for not answering the question? He did answer the question. He just didn't give the answer you wanted to hear. Or they wanted to hear. Or maybe he did. Maybe they figured it out. I mean, he didn't say anything about them complaining about the answer he gave them. But the answer was this. Try it. Now you go into most churches, what must I do to be saved? Profess Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Then you'll be saved. But how do you profess something? You know, you could be out there professing that I'm, I'm working in the garden. Every time I look out, I see you sleeping over in the shade. I call you up on your cell phone as I look out the window. I say, hey, what are you doing? Oh, I'm working in the garden. Well, that's funny because I'm looking out the window and I see you over there sleeping in the shade. And suddenly, you know, he jumps up and he grabs a hoe and he runs out in the garden. So, how do you profess? Jesus Christ is your personal Savior. Now, we talked about that on Blog Talk a little bit ago, and we'll get around to explaining what that looks like. Because most people don't know what the kingdom looks like. They think they're going to the kingdom when they're dead. They think the kingdom's for the people who die. You know, that, that's a slave mentality. Like the old song, free at last, free at last. Thank God Almighty, he's free at last. He's dead. Like a funeral dirge. At least it is in Louisiana. But that's not the kingdom. kingdom for the living. The dead, they're walking around amongst you. They think they're alive. But they're not alive. They're dead. They're cut off. They may say words that they're alive. They're like zombies. I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Well, of course, when I say it like that, it sounds like a zombie, but they put a little feeling into it because they're really trying to convince themselves that they're saved. How do you know you're saved? You know, believing who Jesus was doesn't save you. The devil believes who Jesus was. Jesus doesn't say, Say, Lord, Lord. He says, not those who say, Lord, Lord, but those who do. Jesus emphasized doing. Almost every command that came out of his mouth was do, strive, seek, tend, persevere. That's do words. That's not think words. Don't tell me you're saved. Show me you're saved. Every apostate church that ever came about has a group within them that tell you if you're saved or not saved, if you say these or do this or do that. I'm going with Christ. Christ said it's not what you say. It's what you do. And that's why we, we're going to get around to, in the second part of the show, exactly what that looks like in the kingdom. Now, a few things there are going on uh, in the world is that we see the governments of the world in total economic collapse. Uh, they're kind of in a free-fall stage right now that uh, every time you see, like, the U.S. dollar boosted or the euro boosted, it's usually because... Uh, you know, one of them is flapping their arms a little bit more, and so the other one falls a little farther and a little faster. I mean, the progression is going to increase, increase. Uh, I think we you fall at 28 feet per second, but the more you're in that free-fall state, the faster and faster you get going. We just haven't hit the sidewalk yet. I mean, some people certainly have. They've lost their homes and their life savings and everything. And this is inevitable. It was inevitable ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago, back in thirty three uh, go back to nineteen thirteen nineteen seventeen all these events we could see this coming if you knew history, but of course, you know back in eighteen forty five eighteen fifty four eighteen sixty six different milestones in this progression away from the ways of the kingdom and into the ways of the world. Led often by churches, I have an article coming up on News Views uh, about Saul Olensky, who dedicated his book towards Satan. Probably the most progressive workers uh, and people who have given the greatest uh, promotion of Saul Alinsky's, uh theories. Have been churches. Churches holding up his philosophies and his organizations that are, are promoted in his book and his work. Yet his, his book is dedicated to Satan. Because he rebelled and created a dominion of his own. Which is what Adam and Eve did they went outside of the dominion of God and they haven't been let back since, they actually could come back any time. All of you could go back any time and receive the redemption of Jesus Christ. But just because Christ died doesn't mean you're saved. Somebody's saved. I mean, why did Christ come? What, what does it say in... Uh, the gospel if we were to look that up in the gospel what does it say who is saved I mean there's, we can read in John for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world and the word world there is organized system or constitutional order or government of the five six different words that can be translated world That's the one they're talking about there. He's actually going to try to save the world. But what's the operating word here? For God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him might Be saved. Very important. Might be saved. Does that mean that Christ didn't do His thing? He didn't do His part. No, Christ did His part. You just haven't done your part. Or maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. You say you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but I'm not convinced you have. And so. Because all you've done is say it, and Christ told us not to count on that. It's those who do, because it's the doing that really testifies as to what you say, being true or not. Which is why James says, are we saved by faith or by works? Well, we're not saved by works. We can't do enough work to be saved. How do we buy ourselves back into salvation? We can't do that. But if we don't turn around and go, that's an act. Not to say we're going. Jesus has an old parable about that. Two sons. One says, yeah, "I'll do it." Another one said, "No, I'm not going to do it." Bad thing. And actually, I could give you stories about people that actually told me the same thing, where they didn't want to do it. But that was their head and what they had been taught and, and you know, all the layers that had been put on them by society and their family and by their schools and what have you that was causing them to rebel because they had that spirit of Saul Alinsky, of Satan, Not that Saul was Satan. He was just seduced by the ideas of Satan and promoted them. He may have repented. I don't know. I think Caiaphas repented. I don't know. I'll ask Jesus when I see him. But there's a strong evidence that he repented and became a Christian. That's pretty, pretty amazing. But he had to start turning around and doing the will of the Father. He had to repent and go another way. And then his father would come out and meet him. As long as he's over there a citizen or bound to a citizen in another government, he can't be back with his father. Now, that was one thing I was going to bring up is Acts twenty-three one, It says, And Paul, honestly beholding the council, which is a word for assembly, said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. The word live there really shouldn't be translated live. It's a poor translation of the word. The word is too and it's actually from the word uh, that means to be a citizen. That word, to be a citizen, is uh, polites. And it's always translated citizen when it appears in the Bible. But uh, he says, I have lived. The word is clearly to be a citizen, to administer civil affairs, to manage the state, to make or create a citizen. It's a government term. That's why it's there. It's not the normal word for lived. You wouldn't say, fully if you wanted to say, I lived in Albuquerque, or I lived in good conscience. The administration of my government, I have administered my government, is what he's saying, in good conscience before God until this day. He's using specifically a government citizenship term because Paul was in another government. Because he had accepted Jesus, he was already cast out by the Pharisees. They already said anybody who accepts Jesus is cast out. That had already come in a point in time. Now, originally when you were accepting Jesus and getting baptized before, you know, well before Pentecost, because they made the rule, you know, actually at the time they had Christ crucified and tried him. That's when the rule came out. Until they tried Jesus and convicted him of claiming to be king when he wasn't, claiming to be the ruling judge of the people, and he wasn't claiming to have the right to sit in the seat of Moses as the king of Judea. Until they convicted him, saying he was a false claimer of the kingdom. which is why they had to take him to the Romans, because the Romans were there to determine who was the rightful king in Judea. That's why they were invited in by the Pharisees themselves. So when Pontius Pilate ruled, this is the king, he was actually the king of the government. And he appointed his apostles, that kingdom, and group. And they began to do the work of the government, the police to make, The administration of civil affairs. He was actually the king. These are actually the princes of the kingdom. They weren't, they were ambassadors to the rest of the world. But when Jesus appointed them the kingdom, he says, you are not to be like the princes of the other governments. The rulers of the other governments. Who exercise authority is not to be that way with you. He's giving you your freedom back. He is redeeming you from the Roman Empire. And anyone who became a citizen of christ was free from the social welfare persona jurisdiction that made them ensnared under the administrative law of rome they were now free of that what do you think they were persecuting them for you could be any church any idea in your head these guys were actually taking care of the widows and orphans, the media, of their society, and pure religion, unspotted by the social welfare systems of the world. And we'll talk about that more. I actually have a letter from a guy named Blaine, Rick Blaine, where he says, Jesus is a socialist, and he goes down and he's listing all the reasons why he says that, although they're completely unfounded and totally misinterpreted. And I sent him stuff back, and we've exchanged several times. But he, I think I haven't heard a word from him, so I I think he's actually reading the material now. (laughs) We'll see if, you know, I have hope that he might be saved. Right now he is saying he's accepted Jesus. But the Jesus he accepted was a socialist. He doesn't know Jesus. We yeah, all kinds of people who say they accepted Jesus, but I don't know, you know, it's a famous quote. <laughs> and I know uh, Paul, who's sitting here quietly on the phone, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. <laughs> I, knew, I knew he would chuckle, so I wanted you to know where that chuckle was coming from. <laughs> I don't believe you guys have accepted Jesus out there. Because I don't see you doing what Jesus said. There is your testimony. Why aren't you doing what he said? Do not judge by appearances. And that's what they're doing. They're they're putting on their whited sepulchers. They're not really doing it. And so in the next parts of the show, we're going to take a look at what does it look like to really be doing it. And we've given you little glimpses here. Yet you're citizens in a system of statutory bondage today, a Corby system of statutory bondage. You've gone back to Egypt, which God said never to go back to. Jesus didn't say go back there. He said, "Love one another. Don't covet one another's goods through systems of socialism." Socialism isn't new to this country in America or Australia or New Zealand or Canada. I don't want to, you know, I'm not a political action committee in the United States. I mean, I care who you vote for, but I'm not going to tell you who to vote for because I'm not even going to tell you to vote. I'm going to tell you to do what Jesus told you to do. Start seeking the kingdom of heaven so that you might be saved. I'm not going to delude you into thinking that you're saved because you said you're saved. I'm not going to delude you into thinking that you're saved because you say you have accepted Jesus Christ. Because I don't know that you even know who Jesus Christ is. You can tell me he's the son of God, but that doesn't mean you know who he is. I've told this story a hundred times. My son, I told him to study George Washington when he was like seven years old to read these little books on George Washington. These little kind of little thin little books and he read them and he came back and said George Washington had wooden teeth he's married to Martha he's first president and was a general that's not who he was and a lot of people are married to somebody named Martha and might have wooden teeth and were a general and might even have become president of some government who he was was who he was It's it's the essence of his soul was he a loyal friend? Was he an honorable man? Was he honest? Was he covetous? or was he a backbiter? Was he uh, a truth breaker? And we talked about that on the PCM group. This word "truth breaker." Uh, if you look that word up, you know, I'll do that. I'll give it. Do y'all know where that is found in the Bible? Truth breaker. Where is that word found in the Bible? 2 Timothy 3.3. And there's a big, long list there of things. It starts out, go up to one. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Hey, I got that. Write that down. For men shall be lovers of their own self, covetous. Boasters, proud blasphemers, disobedient. You know, most of the blasphemers that I know go to church every week. I was gonna say every Sunday, but some of them go on Sabbath. But they go every, and but they are the worst blasphemers I know. And of course that's the way it was at the time of Christ too. The temple was chock full of blasphemers. And most of them were accusing Jesus of blaspheming. Disobedient to parents. Well, right now hard to find that. Thankful, unthankful, excuse me, unholy. Without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, truth breakers. And that word, truth breakers. What does that mean, truth breakers? Well, it's actually a uh, spondos is the uh, Greek word, and it means implacable or word that it's translated into. It appears twice in the Bible. Uh, it says, without a treaty or covenant. Now, when we say truth breakers, it sounds like they, you know, they violated the treaty or something. <laughs> and it's kind of a poor translation, in my opinion. We don't have to retranslate it. We just have to know uh, where and what it actually means. And it appears also in Romans 131 where uh, it is written, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. So basically what it is is someone who won't come into agreement, won't sit down and hash things out to come into agreement. I always wanted... I wish we had a recording of the conversations in the upper room <laughs> and in the in the room before the Pentecost. Those guys were talking about something. And it wasn't the ball of course. They had lots of different opinions still. They were arguing before Christ's death, you know, am I gonna be on the right side? Is he gonna be on the right side? He's gonna be on the left side? And they were arguing over these things, and and Jesus rebuked them. He also wouldn't tell them the answer. Another one of those, why don't you tell them (laughs) questions? Why don't you give me a straight answer, Jesus? He is giving you his straight answer. You're just not listening. (laughs) So anyway, we're going to talk about this, uh, some of these things. Because if you're going to be a fisher of men, you need to know how to weave the net and how to preach the kingdom. We'll be right back.
1: fight the fight. We are here to equip you, because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the
2: United States in 1963.
3: The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society, and we are as a people, inherently and historically, opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence, on infiltration instead of invasion, on subversion instead of elections, on intimidation instead of free choice. It is a system which has conscripted vast human and material resources That is why the Athenian lawmaker Solon decreed a crime for any citizen to shrink from controversy. I am asking your help in the tremendous task of informing and alerting the American people. confident that with your help, man will be what he was born to be, free and independent.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, the president today.
3: You were both in skull and bones, the secret society. It's so sacred we can't talk about
1: it. What
0: does that mean for America? It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What does that mean for America? I've got
1: a vision for what I want to do for the country. see, I know exactly where I want to lead. It's so sacred we can't talk about it. What
3: does that mean for America? Now listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar.
2: Government Takeover of the Church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have
1: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now
3: listen to me.
0: Okay, when we return to the kingdom, uh, in the next half of the show, we're going to talk a little bit about what a redeemer is because the word appears a number of times in the Bible and actually means uh, it's from different words. Both in the Greek and the Hebrew, we see the word redeem, but it's not always from the same word in the Greek or from the same word in the Hebrew. There's multiple words that they translate into redeem. And by looking at those different words, we may get a little bit of a different idea as to who or what is a your Redeemer. Uh, for you to have a Redeemer, you have to be redeemed. And in order for you to have the redemption of Christ, you have to be doing what Christ said. You have to be accepting Him. Not saying you accept Him, but actually accepting Him. So people are always telling me that they're redeemed of Christ and, and He's their Redeemer. But again, back to that same concept of don't tell me, show me, and that's not my idea. That was originally Christ's idea, and he was telling you not those who say, but those who do. So we need to understand what the kingdom is, what being a fisherman of men is in the kingdom, because Nimrod was a mighty hunter before the Lord, too. He's out there fishing for men. He's just using a hook when using the net. And that's a big difference. And we're not to use the hook. We're to use a net, and we're to use a living net of people. And our bait is love for one another, mercy, righteousness. Now, love, thieves and robbers love each other, too. You know, there's all kinds of love. Cats love birds. But that's not the kind of love we're talking about. We're talking about the love that Christ has, which is the love of self-sacrificing. Can you imagine all the people, the most charitable people, the most giving and forgiving people, the most patient people, you know, they talk in the Bible about fighting the good fight. If we don't argue amongst ourselves, if we don't challenge one another, he talks about as many as I love, I rebuke. There is going to be disagreement in the kingdom. But that's how we come into agreement. There's only a fight about agreement when we either don't agree or we don't yet understand enough to agree. That's an important distinction. I came up this week where somebody said, well, we agree on some things, uh, but we don't agree on everything, referring to a conversation they've had with somebody else. And I came back with, I don't know that we disagree on anything. I haven't come to that conclusion yet. Obviously, there was still a point of contention, a point of controversy, if that might be a better word it doesn't have the word tension in it. But a point of controversy. Well, we didn't seem to agree on something yet. But, you know, I ran out of cell service, so we didn't agree entirely (laughs) because uh, I couldn't continue the conversation. But the point was, is I think that it wasn't that we disagree, it's that we don't yet understand one another well enough, either I, him, or he, me, To come into agreement, well, how do we get to understand one another? Well, one, we talk. We exchange information. We exchange opinions. And then we also have to compare that to the opinion of Christ, or at least the written word that we have, both in the book and on our hearts and our minds, and see if we can come into agreement. But if we create a false sense of agreement by holding up an ideology or a phrase representing an ideology and say, do we all agree that Jesus is our Redeemer? Jesus is a Redeemer, but I can't agree that He's your Redeemer because I don't know if you have actually accepted Him. And He tells us, and James tells us, and even Paul tells us, that you don't determine that just by what that guy says. But all the other churches, I've had ministers in this house who say to a young boy, five years old, I think maybe was seven, all you have to do is profess Jesus with your lips and you're saved. That's all you have to do. Say it, and he wanted him to repeat after me, actually you went that far. are you kidding? Are you insane? Are you mentally ill? Hadn't you even read the Bible? Christ said not those who say, but those who do. write it down. <laughs> memorize that. Paul never really said anything like, all you have to do is say it. it, All you have to do is not even just believe it in your head, because your head can deceive you. He says, if you covet, commit adultery, uh, fornicate, what was all the long list he he gave? uh, Covet was in his list. He's going through the commandments, for God's sake. You have no inheritance in the kingdom. So guess what? You're not saved. You said you accepted Jesus, but if you're doing these things, obviously you haven't accepted Jesus. The law that was done away with, we talked about this, go listen to the series on Paul. Nomos. He's talking about the imposed law, statutory law, administrative law of men like the Pharisees. And he's talking from the point of view of a Pharisee, that you have to do this and do that and do it this way and keep the Sabbath in this way and and follow these rules and uh, and everything that we've written down, and then you're safe. He's saying that's done away with. But righteousness isn't done away with. And if you're doing all those other things, adultery and coveting and stealing and lying you're not keeping righteousness so you're not saved and Jesus isn't your redeemer and when you tell me he is, you're a liar or maybe you're just completely deceived and your problem is all these other things so to be the fishers of men we got to get that straight that you're not saved by what you say. You're not necessarily redeemed because you recognize Jesus as the Messiah. You could be out there doing great things in his name, preaching him on every corner, sacrificing your life left and right, professing Jesus as the Savior of the world and still be a worker of iniquity and be cast away. And Christ tells us that. So I promised you that we would look more at what the kingdom was. Again, remember, lots of people were getting baptized into the kingdom by Herod, but they were entering into a system of Corbin, a system of social welfare that made the word of God to none effect because it was not based on faith, hope, and charity, but a compelled offering. And Christ comes and arrives on the scene when that is in full swing, been in full swing for 50 years. At the time of his birth, it had already been around for decades. Elements had all the way back to 78 B.C., 130, 160 B.C., elements of that had already come in. Just like in the United States, socialism was here in strong, presence when we began public schools back in the eighteen fifties. And began to force our neighbor to contribute to our children's education at the point of a gun. That's socialism. Yeah, you know, I, I should pull up the the guy's email on uh on uh the guy who was saying that Jesus Christ was a socialist. Uh it's just astounds me that somebody would actually say that <laughs> Uh, I don't know if I have a big... Oh, here's his list. He says, uh, he's referring to proving that Jesus was a socialist. He said, He made and gave away wine. So he's a socialist. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote back something to the effect of making and giving away wine. It's not the same thing as making your neighbor give away the wine that he made because you didn't make any wine for yourself. <laughs> the second is socialism. The first is charity. Socialism is not charity. I mean, he has a big long list here. It goes all the way down. Um, we should make a whole program on that alone, but I already have a program on socialism. <laughs> but it's always worth repeating uh uh, yeah, I mean, this guy is so, so blatantly confused. I'm looking, I never got all the way down to the bottom of the list. I just read the bottom of the list. <laughs> uh, the guy is absolutely delusional, but uh, anyway, well, we'll, we'll save, I may still get more answers from him, so we'll save his, uh, delusions for another show, <laughs> but. Uh, there is a vast difference, and this is what the system of Corbin was all about, that the Pharisees had established back at that time of Christ, where so you had to pay in or you could be arrested. And so if you're in a system like that, if you're taking care of the widows and orphans and needy of your society, through a system that is run by men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, you're not redeemed. That's what you need to be redeemed from, the bondage of sin. You're in bondage. That's what Christ came to do is redeem you in the flesh, alive here on this planet from the bondage Of sin. What is the sin? Coveting your neighbor's goods. through men who call themselves benefactors that exercise authority went over there. This is the gospel. He's going to redeem you from that. And he did. For those who received and accepted him as the king, the Messiah, the anointed. They were cast out on Pentecost at the receiving of the baptism of Christ. They could no longer be a part of the table of welfare that had ensnared them. Paul clearly states that, quoting David. Peter warns that you're going to go back into that bondage again and need redemption again because you covet your neighbor's goods through covetousness, they will make you a human resource. You are a human resource. Write it down. They tell you they got a human resource department. I don't know what they call it in Australia. Maybe uh, Mark can tell us, but I'm sure they've got one. Or David can tell us in Canada. What do they call theirs? You're not redeemed if you're in that system. Now, do you climb over the wall and escape that system? No. You went in by the gate, you leave by the gate. That's the way of Christ. You don't escape Egypt. You get Egypt out of your heart, and Egypt will spit you out. And if you don't come together in the network of Christ called the kingdom of God, or his holy church, whatever you want to call it, then you probably will not survive. So you, you, we have so many people that think they're redeemed, and we're going to look at that word in the second half. But we're just using it, whatever definition you think it, it has, it may not be accurate or not. We'll we'll take a look. But you're not redeemed if you're in bondage again. You're back in the bondage of Egypt. You need redemption again, you, and Jesus died that ye might be redeemed. And many were redeemed at Pentecost and in the years to follow, and for centuries as Rome began to collapse. But now you're in need of redemption in the flesh, alive on this planet for the living. Redemption for the living. You're a slave. You need to be set free. I can't set you free. Christ can't even set you free if you will not repent. Of what? Of coveting your neighbor's goods. You need to start building an alternative altar, a living altar of people that are willing to sacrifice daily, weekly, monthly, to take care of the needy of their society in congregations of record. Why record? Because in that record, you're connecting to another congregation. If you're just a congregation and you got a minister who goes around telling you you're saved because Jesus redeemed you, but you don't actually have to be a network, a body, a kingdom in the same net of the fishers that are appointed by Christ. And I don't know where they all are. They haven't all come together yet. They may be all over the place. People will say, well, you know, I want to be in his holy church. Well, I want to be in his holy church. I'm not in his holy church that I know but I'm seeking it. I'm striving. I can't even see... I see dry bones for the most part. I do see some life in some bones beginning to grow. But we know also that if one part of the body is an occasion of sin, we need to cut it off. Better that we cut it off. Then keep it. If one part of the net is rotten, not connected, poor, broken strings, you need to cut it out all the way around the bad stuff and weave in better. These are the principles over and over again. We see these analogies in, these, in, in the metaphors and the parables that tell us this. Pluck out your eyes. If it's an occasion of sin, what sin? If it's not truly delivering people from the bondage, showing them the path to redemption. If they're out there saying, you're redeemed, you're redeemed, you're redeemed, you're redeemed, you're redeemed. Because you said you accepted Jesus, you accepted Jesus, you accepted Jesus. That's a false gospel. If you're not showing the people what they must do, what they must seek, what they must attend to daily, not just your people, but connecting them with the rest of the body, then you're an occasion of sin. If you're telling the people to climb over the wall, not to go the way that Christ said, what is the way that Christ said? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek ye the right to be ruled by God in his righteousness in a righteous way. Moses did it. Pay your tally of bricks, but glean in the field at night for your straw, your benefit. Pay your taxes, glean in the field at night for your benefit. Jesus said it. Be friends with the unrighteous man. Who owes the tax? People always like say, that's another thing. The guy points out that Jesus pays the tax. He didn't pay the tax. Did he take money out of his pocket and pay the tax? Did he hand the taxpayer the money? No. Peter said, yeah, my master pays the tax. Jesus, what, do he immediately takes Peter aside and says, Peter, who pays the tax? Why did you take him aside? Because Peter misspoke. He says, but you said it now. You said it. So now, you go around the beach, look for a fish, look at his mouth, pulls out two coins, runs back to give them to Jesus, and Jesus said, you give it to him. Jesus didn't take, oh, here's, oh, he brought me my coin, here's my coin. He didn't pay it. He made Peter pay it just because he said it. That makes it really important to make your yes is yes. In your nose now. And on the network, if you go to hisholinterest.org and you join the Living Network, actually, you're not really joining the Living Network, you're joining the Google groups, the, the email network, and you join that, you can pick any anonymous email, but eventually you, you'll ask who on this group is the contact manager. He should send you his phone number. You call him up, you talk to him, you know, you call him from a payphone. I don't care. Yeah, you know, number block if you're paranoid. I don't care. The point is we're trying to protect your identity from guys who come on these groups and want to farm emails and get contacts and pester people. And we're doing a pretty good job of protecting you. If we just put, you go out there like the uh, home church registry, you go out there and put your email and your phone number, anybody can get it. We're not doing that. We actually filter through a living connection, a contact minister we call it, PCN personal contact minister. He's not appointed by God necessarily. He's appointed by you. He's your personal contact minister. And this is a shadow of what the kingdom looks like. You pick him, you decide whether you want to share your phone number, you say, okay, well, you know, if you come across somebody in my area, you know anybody in my area now, you know anybody in my town now, I'm in this town, you don't have to give him an address, but anyway, put me in contact and we'll try to gather together and now, people will come and they will wanna gather for the wrong reason. It won't be Christ's reason. But you have to that's working out your salvation with fear and trembling and working on it. But you have a chance to find somebody else in your area. And if you help and support us, we're gonna get out on bigger and bigger radio stations and we'll we'll get the media out in more and more places. Uh we're starting to develop land here for the church and we wanna do that in other places. We've wanted to do it for a long time. But people would not make their yeses yes all the time. And those that would not, we cut them out. Because we found them to be an occasion of sin, and sometimes it takes us a long time to figure that. Now, we're, we're going to be cutting out some of the contact ministers here. Probably this week. I don't know for sure who. Because it's required that those contact ministers prove to us, the rest of the contact ministers, that they're actually doing what... We're here to do, which is strive to connect people to each other so that they can, by that relationship of connecting with each other, connect with Christ by doing what Christ said to do. We don't say you're redeemed because you say you accepted Jesus. When Jesus says you're redeemed, I'll believe it. When I see you doing what he said, I will suspect it. It will become my opinion that you might be redeemed. When you see that word in there, redeemed, they're talking always about might be redeemed. You do this, are you forgiving your sins because Christ died on the cross? Jesus says, if you don't forgive, neither will you be forgiven. So Christ can die on the cross and you're not forgiven. Because you don't forgive, Forgive what? Why is he so worried about forgiveness? Because he knew we'd be arguing. He knew we would be contentious or at least uh, confronted. We have opinions. We have ideas. We think something is a certain way. And all of a sudden we try to create a relationship with somebody else and they're thinking another way. And we have to actually scratch our heads and work on our salvation with fear and trembling. So we need that ability to forgive. Somebody said, you know, is going to say, I'm going to say this uh, even though I might offend you. <laughs> You're going to say something that might offend me? I doubt it. <laughs> I'm very seldom offended by words. If I'm going to be offended, I'd probably be more offended because you don't say. (laughs) I really wouldn't be. I wouldn't even be offended then. I'd be disappointed. But disappointed for you, not in you. Very big difference. But anyway, when we get back, we're going to talk about this redemption thing. (laughs)
4: Okay.
0: We'll see you there.
4: you can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net.
1: If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month. And you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment rights media group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. Or any single program on tape, MP3 CD, or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group.
3: I pledge allegiance to the King of kings, and to his kingdom come, on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation, under the Heavenly Father, with grace, mercy, and justice for all.
0: Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. I thought I was going to have a little bit more time to go through a few things before we got back, but I didn't. So, anyway, I I want to uh, uh, give you the the phone number so that if you want to call in. And, of course, we have a chat room that somebody's monitoring. Uh, Theoretically, uh, I assume they are. Uh, But, anyway, we have a number where you can call in and ask a question. And if I find that number, 559-726-1300. That's 1300. So it's 559-726-1300. And then you have to have a code number in order to get in so you can ask the question. And that code number is 795 795- one, three, two. It's 795-132. And then you have to put star six in order to have the moderator know that you have a question that you want to ask. And then we may give that number again, but don't count on it. Uh, it goes out in a notice for this radio show and our, our uh, newsletters. And uh, before we go too far, uh, I should also probably tell you... That we're going to have a guest on next week, uh, and that guest will be Clint Richardson. Which I think he, I think he actually uh, is a, well he yeah, he's a candidate for president of the United States. I think I don't know if it's the Constitutional Party. He'll tell us. Uh, I think he was vice presidential running mate uh, at one time with Chuck Baldwin, and he's done a number of documentaries, uh, the Corporation Nation. And also one on uh, lethal injection. And he's won uh, awards for his work in that. And he's going to be a guest on our show on the Keys of the Kingdom next week. So you'll want to tune in then uh, to hear what he has to say and what we have to say to him. And and we'll have that show next week. Also, don't forget, uh, coming up, this September, we'll have a fall festival here, and we may be having more people working here through the summer to try to get ready for that. Um, and we've got about a 1,000 acres that we can gather on, so we've got lots of room. Uh, we're looking for talent. Anybody's got musical talent, anybody's got skills they want to share, and they want to set up demonstrations, uh, we will do what we can to arrange all that. Uh, we got... Tons and tons of camping. We have an R V park nearby. Uh I mean actually between where I'm at now and and the place there's an R V park. Uh there's a motel uh or two in the community. Uh but you'll probably need to get reservations for that. And if you go to hiselectric. dot org and look for events, uh and it this is all out in Summer Lake, Oregon, so if you want to come to that, we're also, people are already working on developing, uh, caravans and carpooling and, uh, buses coming from far away. If you want to come, uh, it's always handy to travel with other people and, uh, they've even talked about, you know, whether, uh, caravanning, they'll be Switching people in the different vehicles, uh, and the fellowshipping along the way. So the journey here, and of course that's the way they were in the original tabernacles, is that they would meet and travel together. And in case there was problems or what have you, they would, uh, be there for each other. But also they had the fellowship. And that's where you will start creating those bonds. And, uh, that will hold the kingdom together when, uh, when uh, Nimrod comes over, you know, that's where we can play, play the uh, Red Rover, Red Rover, will Nimrod come over? <laughs> you got to hold your hands really tight because you're going to try to break your grip <laughs> and divide and conquer you. And so you need to have really strong relationships. We have to depend upon the relationships of love and patience and mercy. And in order to test that, we have to contend with one another that so that's why I emphasize forgiveness. So anyway, so we have those. And there may be other uh, gatherings in the Midwest, but you have to go to hisohrish.org. Click on the Fisherman, the, the guy with the net out there, and join the local living network and find out who the contact minister is in your area or volunteer to be one and start connecting so you can find out what's going on. We have somebody traveling across the country uh, this week from Massachusetts to uh, Oregon here, and he's already meeting up with people along the way, and he could be meeting up with you if you were a part of that network, but I'm not going to tell you where he is, and I'm not going to tell you where anybody is. If you want to find out, you have to reach out, uh, and that's the way the game works. So, anyway... Back to this idea of redemption. Uh, the fishes of men need to understand what redemption is. And, and in the Old Testament, we see the word gal. Uh, which, uh, I'm not going to go through the Hebrew letters, but basically, it's translated redeem, but it means act as a kinsman. Uh, that's really, uh, what the word means, but there's another word that shows up later on in Exodus that's also uh, translated and let's go back to that act as a kinsman Uh, someone uh, wanted to know uh, who made me a policeman because I was pointing out something that somebody was doing that was not right. They were deceiving people. They were lying to them about land patents and having land off the tax rolls and they were getting people to come to their sem- seminars and pay $200 a seat and then later on $50 a seat. But they were doing these people out of his money because he said that he had land that was off the tax rolls. He didn't have land that was off the tax rolls. He didn't pay the taxes on him, His dad did. I saw another guy who selling land patents for years, collected over $100,000 in land patents. He had land that he wasn't paying taxes on, but it, the truth is a little tiny bit of investigation. For those people who want to know the truth, they do that. Those people who want to be deceived, which is why you're in the bondage of Egypt to begin with, they just believe anything that comes along because it's what they want to hear. Well, the fact is, is yeah, he hadn't paid taxes on the property he was on in 10 years, just like he said. His mom did. His mom went in and paid the taxes <laughs> Oh, all yeah, I do is call up the county and say, hey, this puzzle here, is this off the tax rolls or is somebody paying the taxes? Oh, yeah, Mrs. So-and-so comes in and pays the taxes every year. I remember because she always comes in and pays. And there so you got it. But he's selling you land patents because when you get your land patent, you can take your land off the tax rolls. You are being deceived by another group of charlatans other than the ones who already have you in bondage. <laughs> And I'm using these particular phrases because uh, they just recently come up on some of our groups uh, because somebody thinks they're going to get their land off the tax rolls by following some of these legal deals. They've already lost the property. They're going to go back and take the boards off. And these are great people, and we care about these people. And that's why we're bringing this up. Well, we're not ridiculing them. They have tremendous courage, and that's great. But they have been misinformed by people. And, and and a lot of times the people who tell you these uh fictions and falsehoods and fallacies they believe them. They probably started with somebody trying to make money. But the guy who tells you you know, this is a common way of, of, of cheating people. If somebody goes out they got a banking scheme or you invest five thousand, a thousand, whatever money in, and then they pool it all together, and then they go to the big bankers, and then they put it in these deals, and you're going to get 20 to 50% interest back. I've seen this scheme over and over and over again. And the only ones who say they ever got money out of it is they didn't actually get the money out of it. They supposedly have all these credits in it. When it finally comes down to it, they end up losing all the money. They're always put off, put off, put off, put off. I've got big, long stories to show you how this works. But the guy who you're going to or coming to you and saying invest in this, he really believed it. And that's the way the charlatans they get the the youthful idiots, the guys they fool who think it's really going to work. And they may even give them some money. You know, out of money that they've already gotten, they'll get them a return. And he says, but you can put that back in. Oh, yeah, I'll put it back in. And eventually they end up with a huge pool of money. And then they all disappear and you never get a dime back. And it happens over and over and over again because people believe what they want to hear. That's why you're in bondage again. That's why you're in need of redemption. That's why Christ died that you start seeking the redemption of Christ, seeking the kingdom of God, seeking His Holy Church. And if you're not going to do it, you're not saved. Because you haven't turned around, you haven't repented. How can you be forgiven if you won't repent? You don't have any inheritance in the kingdom. And we just we're just showing you how far that reaches. Now, this other word Pada it shows up in Exodus, redeemed, it's also translated deliver, ransom, rescue. There's another word, lutro. Uh which actually means to release on receipt of a ransom. Completely different words. Uh, and and actually litro is in the in the Greek, but the Pudah is what they were doing in Egypt. They were in bondage. Some people actually preach that the Israelites weren't in bondage. Certainly they were in bondage. You gotta just go back to the Hebrew and see that they were clearly in bondage, everybody had to pay one fifth of what they earned in. They didn't have gold and silver to run out. If they had any gold and silver, which artisans often had, they they didn't have the true and actual title to it. They only had a legal title. That's why people think I'm going to go down and and buy land from this person and get it off the tax rolls. You can't do that. We've got programs on that, huge recordings on that. Go to law versus legal uh and and go to our website, and we explain how that works. You can't get a lawful title from somebody who has a legal title. A legal title does not include beneficial interest by the very definition of the word. So if you buy, buy the legal title, bought the beneficial interest, therefore you have to pay a tax on it in order to use the property. Any citizen of the United States owns land only by government permission. They've already stated that. So you can want to think differently, but it's not 1776 anymore. But you can be free. You can own land. Uh, endowed to, the right to own land is that endowed to you by God. But you're in bondage. You need to be redeemed. Now in order to get the redemption of Christ, you have to turn around and repent and seek the kingdom of heaven and its righteousness. What does that look like? It looks like people taking care of the responsibilities of government, not by forcing their neighbor to contribute to their welfare, but to free will offerings. The only practical way of doing this is through the tens, hundreds, and thousands. Every congregation of ten needs to gather, take a man in charge of that administration of civil affairs, that polytume, that Paul was talking about. And he becomes your health, education, and welfare. I was in in a store the other day, and I was waiting for this lady. She kept swiping her uh, Oregon Trails card, which is her welfare card, and it wouldn't work, and they put plastic around it and tried to swipe it. It wouldn't work, and finally the lady had to type it in, and she types in her PIN number. She wore the card out. That's her Corbin. That's her system of social welfare. And the reason that's funded is because somebody went to her neighbor's house and forced them to contribute at the point of a gun or go to jail. That is making the Word of God to none effect in her society. You want to be free, you want your land back, you want your rights back, you got to start seeking the Kingdom of God and His righteousness. Start coming together and start forming a network where you take care of the needs in your congregation and contribute up to a a network of ministers so they can take care of the needs in other congregations. You can't do that with men who just say they love Jesus. You can only do that with men who actually see them loving Jesus by doing what he said. And that's why it's a requirement in our network, which is a shadow of the kingdom, that you pick a contact minister. And that contact minister, after being chosen by two or more witnesses that recognize him as a contact minister, he has to prove himself to the other contact ministers by connecting himself to the other contact ministers by sharing not only information about what he's doing, but sharing uh his skills, his knowledge, and even his resources with them. How he does it and how much he does it, it has to be his choice. Otherwise, the relationship is contractual and not based on love, not based on faith, not based on hope, not based on charity. But he has to be casting his bread not only on the waters of his congregation, but on the waters of the congregation next to him, because he has to love the congregation next to him as much as he loves his own. And the evidence of that is his sharing with that other minister of other congregations, even if it's only a shadow of the kingdom in a a group of personal contact ministers. We have a long way to go to claim the redemption of Christ. Because we are not set free. Lutro, release on receipt of a ransom, to redeem, liberate by payment of a ransom, to liberate, to cause to be released. There's another word translated redeem in the New Testament. We're talking New Testament now with uh, Lutro. Exegorath. Or Exegorath. It means to redeem by payment of price, But it's a completely different word. It has to do with X, X, go out of, exit. Christ was preaching the kingdom. They were gathering together. They were taking care of one another. They were looking to this metaphorical church, assembly. An ecclesia is an assembly outside of the governments of the world, separate, holy, composed of titular ministers. We use the word minister instead of administer because we add nothing to it. He is an unhewn stone of a living altar. We don't regulate him. But he has to fit together with other stones. He has to... Nudge up against them and connect with them. What anyone gives him in his congregation, lays on him as the altar of that stone, is laid on all in the true church. But he has the choice of how he distributes that to the rest of the church. And he should distribute it in wise in wise charity that strengthens the poor. Strengthens them in what? The character of Christ, which is sacrificing themselves for others by going to church, not for what they can get out of it, but they go to church thinking, oh, I wonder who I can help today. I was really blessed by the story of Paul traveling from from Cape Cod, from the Atlantic coast, out here to the uh, west side of Oregon, and he met with the first group that met him in Albany, New York, and they exchanged gifts. It's not Christmas. <laughs> Why are they doing that? I thought that was that was interesting. I'm just dying to find out what they exchanged. That's <laughs> uh, the curiosity of the kingdom. But I suppose they're not supposed to tell me because that would be boasting. No, they tell me because that is witnessing. That's why you communicate with the other ministers, the other fishers of men. You're going to go fishing with a net, big net. They're throwing one net off the side of this boat. There's all these fishermen on the boat. Jesus says, throw it on this side. There are so many fish, they're afraid the net's going to bust. It doesn't. It holds. But it doesn't hold itself. The fishermen are holding it together in teamwork. Each one taking a, a section of that net and holding their end up. If one of them fails to hold his end up, the net spills and the fish flee and they run out or are lost and are spilled out into the water. Well, it's a metaphor. We're not trying to piss you for our resources you're not our human resources we constantly give you choice this is a free assembly it's not even an association another whole topic which we discuss in in audio tape after audio tape and book after book in free church Report. we're a free assembly you have the right of free assembly you have a right to love one another You will not be redeemed or freed until you turn around and start doing that. Don't tell me you're saved. Show me you're saved. Don't tell me you're in the kingdom. Be the kingdom. I don't mind arguing. The apostles argued all the time. How could they come into one accord unless they contended and tested and rebuked? We're told to do that. The people who want to be in love with the idea that they're saved. Oh, we don't want anybody to argue. We don't want anybody to discuss anything. We don't want anybody to say anything that might actually get to the heart of the fact that we aren't redeemed. Because we aren't doing what Christ said. We aren't being a king. Maybe you're being a congregationalist, but you're not being in the kingdom. Thousands of people on Pentecost. Begin to take care of themselves and their social welfare and their needs, right away they saw that there was something missing. And so they formed a
3: credit union.
0: <laughs> now, that's a shocker. You, those of you out have heard me many times before, you, you've heard these things before. But can you imagine somebody listening to this for the first time? This is completely out of their realm of thinking. And look up the information we have on Curtin. I don't know if we have a show on Curtin. We should put that in. We should start some of the better tapes. If you guys find better recordings of other, you know, like blog talks or Freedomizer or even this that we have that are in our ancient archives, we should start connecting them on the outline page so that people can hear these topics because we've covered so many topics of the kingdom. And, yes, that's actually what they were doing. When they got into trouble in Ephesus, it was because they picked seven men, just like they did over there in Jerusalem, to be over this business, the word, uh, to wait on these tables. The word tables there is the word they translate into bank in the Bible. They were taking care of the banking because they weren't well accepted in the banks of the world. But I don't see any reason to form in His Church credit union until I actually see people forming His Church, which I want to see real congregations that are actually taking care of one another and supporting the whole network. And we're actually starting to make progress in that direction. But some people are actually holding us back because they're an occasion of sin. They appear to be. I can't They're too invisible. They're not connected. I don't have enough witness from others that really seem to understand the kingdom. Now, yeah, this is my opinion, and I want to bring my opinion in conjunction with other men's opinions, and we lay our opinions out, and we see what sticks up in accordance with the word of God. And we make a judgment. That's what the apostles were to judge. You think they just, okay, we just give to this person, we give it to that person, we do this and that and the other thing? No, they had to make judgment calls. They had to know when to pluck this eye out and cut this hand off and cut out this portion of the net. Now, we're not forbidding you to go and, you know, preach what you think is Christ. We're not going to do. We're told not to forbid you to do that, but you, we do have a choice as who we think are with us, and the only way we're going to know is to know what you're doing. You can't say I see so many people on the on the email network that aren't. Being a part of anything. They're just waiting for another email. I mean, I'll get some information here. I'll figure out how to get my property out of the tax. I'll figure this out. Or I'll figure that out. And then I'll go save myself. Or maybe they think they're already saved. You're, you're not even close to being saved unless you're out there trying to actively save others. Because if you're not actively trying to save others, you don't have Christ in you. Because if you have Christ in you, you can't help but want to do that. You don't tell people they're wrong because you want to prove them wrong. You tell people they're wrong because you want to save them. That's the cliff. You're going to die. You're going to die. Don't go that way. <laughs> That's quicksand. You're going to lose your house. You're going to lose thousands of dollars worth of time and energy. The beating of your heart is going to be going down a rabbit hole instead of to the kingdom. if you're following these patriot schemes. We already explained in the Covenants of the Gods why you're in bondage. We go through 15 chapters showing you all the different forms of bondage that you can imagine almost. There are actually more, but I don't want the book too heavy to pick up. But you know, one of the greatest bondages that you have is that you think you're redeemed. Jesus died that you might be redeemed. I don't know that you're redeemed. And if you think you are, I mean, you're proclaiming, I am redeemed. You're in judgment of yourself. How do you know you're redeemed? You may know that Christ came to redeem you, and you may be striving for redemption by turning around and seeking after to do his will, but I don't think you've arrived yet. I don't think any of us have arrived yet. The prodigal son did not have the father run out to meet him until he turned around and started heading back. When we meet at the feast, then you can say you're redeemed. Is Christ the one you look to for redemption? Great. I love to hear that. But I still want to see it. I want to see you doing it. I want to see you making your yes, yes, and your no, no. No. I want to see you keeping your word and doing the will of the Father, tending to the weight of your matters. How can you tend to the weight of your matters? We've actually had people on this group that are sharing information only with the select group. They don't share it with the body. They don't, I mean, with the actual fellow ministers. They're not sharing that information. We have people representing that they're a part of His Holy Church doing things, even in courts of law, they haven't shared with the rest. Well, how can you be a part of what we're doing if you don't even tell us what you're doing? It's not boasting, it's sharing. I share so much, I can't hardly imagine what's all on the website anymore. And yet, we have people that say,ing "They're a part of His Holy Church." who haven't even seen what we're talking about. Now we have levels of that. Some people are are beginning to learn. That's great. Every little bit that I see people reaching out to learn a little bit more about the kingdom, that's great. But it's a whole journey. It's a process, and it is relational. And you can't have a relation if you don't talk amongst each other and gather together and share with one another openly. And that's what we have to do. So anyway, we'll give you the number again when we get back if you want to make any calls or have any questions in the chat room.
1: Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com The Greatest
2: Prophecy DVD Did you ever wonder about the virgin birth? Know somehow that it must be true, but never really understood what it was all about? Perhaps you have faith in Messiah, but cannot quite believe in a virgin birth. Why is it an integral part of faith in Messiah? And why would biblical faith in Messiah be worthless without it? These questions and many more can be discovered by seeing the Greatest Prophecy DVD. The first chapter for which the DVD was named is a precise explanation of these mysteries. After seeing chapter 1, you will no longer have any doubt as to why belief in the virgin birth is indispensable to faith in Messiah and why it is indeed the greatest prophecy of the entire Bible. We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at firstamendmentradio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD
3: If you read the history books, the most often asked question of Southerners was this, why did you fight? And the most often given answer is, because you're here. In other words, the South did not invade the North, the North invaded the South.
2: Was it? The Civil War or War of Federal Federal Aggression? aggression. John Weaver sets the record straight in this DVD series on the Civil War from the Old Pass Christian History Conference. Was there a war to set the slaves free, or was it a war to enslave us all? Get this DVD and judge for yourself. War War of Federal Aggression. The truth seems strange only because we've been indoctrinated with a fiction. War of of Federal aggression. Aggression. Get it today.
1: Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. 559-781-3773. Well, welcome back, keys of the
0: kingdom. We're talking about what it means to be a Fisher of Men. It's uh, it's someone who is handling their public affairs to the Kingdom of God. They're handling the administration of those public affairs by faith, hope, and charity, not by force and fear and by turning their neighbor into a human resource. They are a group of men who are connected and women who are connected with each other in a meaningful way that actually can feed the sheep and provide for their security, their salvation, their social salvation, their salvation on this planet in real ways so that the Spirit of God may grow in them. People who don't have Christ in them can't function in the kingdom of God. They can't be a part of it. They'll actually reject it. They'll run for it they'll they'll not fit in and fitting in means that those stones, those unused stones we don't force the stones into cubicles we don't chew them out by regulation they must choose to fit together to form this altar they used to love to build these three-legged altars sometimes four-legged altars where they jack up these huge stones and put other stones underneath them. There's a footstool altar because it's the real altar is a living altar of men coming together, a council of men, and gather together and connect everyone because you're connected to that stone altar by faith, hope, and charity, and he's connected with all these other stones by faith, hope, and charity, and that forms this living altar. That's the way it was in Abraham's day. That's the way it was in Moses' day, and that's the way it was in Christ's day, and that is the way the real His Holy Church is today, wherever that is. We need to edify that by being that. But we don't hew those stones. Those stones still need to fit together. And if they don't fit together, we may reject it until it does fit together. We we don't cast him in the hell, but we are not going to say this, this is one of our stones because he's not fitting together. So we need to understand what that looks like and start working in that direction. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly, That they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. What are these good works? Again, that's it. Taking care of the needy of your society and pure religion by faith, hope, and charity and not going to men who call themselves benefactors, praying to them for benefits, that only come to you at the expense of your neighbor because you would be coveting your neighbor's goods to the agency of that false benefactor who exercises authority, and therefore you would not be keeping the commandments, you'd be making the word of God to none effect, and you would not have eternal life, and you would have no inheritance in the kingdom of God. So you would not be redeemed. You would not be saved, no matter how many times you said it. And anybody who's not working to make that a possibility in the lives of those seeking the ways of Christ, whether he be congregation or minister or PCM or minister of record or what, ordained minister, he is an occasion of sin. He should be cut off until he decides to do what Christ said. And, yeah, we we run the risk of cutting off someone who might actually be sincere. But if we don't do that, we run a greater risk of blasphemy, of leaving a stumbling stone in a path. If we dig a pit and somebody falls in it, and we did nothing to protect them from falling in it, We are responsible for them. If we have a bull that pushes, and we don't do anything to protect people from the danger of that bull goring them, we will be responsible for what that bull does. If we have a minister of record or a PCM that is preaching an easy gospel of you're saved because you say you believe in Jesus, but is not actually connecting people in a living network of living altars of faith, hope, and charity. And we say that he is one of those fishers of men, and hold him up as such, but he is not actually giving us the evidence of the truth of that. Then anyone he leads astray, if that's what he's doing, we don't know what he's doing because he isn't connecting with us we are responsible. If we send somebody to him because we hold him up as a symbol of Christ's teaching and he's not, then we can be held responsible for the damage he does. And we will be accountable for his sins. So, each man's sin is his own. But it is an occasion of sin to hold up something that is not what you say it is. And so we have to separate that man out or that woman out if they are not doing that. Now, there's going to be levels of this. There's patience. There's perseverance. But we will not strive with them forever. And that's why when we have people who are picked as a, anybody can be picked as a a contact minister. We don't know who they're picking. They are not appointed by the church. They are appointed by the people who pick them. They are not really ministers of his holy church. They're not in his holy church. They're picked by people who say, this is our minister and we want him to keep us in contact. That's all he's doing, keeping them in contact with the rest of the network. Now, he may become more as that relationship grows. And we accept the fact that he's a contact minister for Christ based on their word. But it doesn't in there over and over again in the guidelines for a contact minister. It says that he has to prove himself to the other contact ministers because they're accepting those people's words, but they have to know everything they can about this individual to know whether or not he really is doing what Christ said. By coming to his holy church, which already has a policy, already has, uh, you know, uh, uh, a creed that we've written up saying what we believe, and you may have a creed that's slightly different. But fundamentally, it has to be the same, and that means it's Christ's holy church. It's Yeshua's holy church. It's Jesus's holy church, same guy. It's what he appointed. That's what we're seeking to be, striving to be, persevering to be. And if you want to be a part of that, we need to see that you're doing the same Same kind of striving. And that means you need to be connecting in a a, uh, networking sort of way, a fractal networking sort of way. We use that word fractal networking. We have an article on that. But think of it as a net joining hands. You gotta hold on and join hands with each other and develop that relationship, absorb the blows for each other. This is what tithing was all about. Tithe to them according to their service. You need to be giving to your ministers according to their service. If he's a contact minister, he's probably not doing a great deal and he's probably perfectly content for doing it for free. But you have to contribute your time and energy to get to know the other people that have picked him and that's why we're trying to do this in a geographical way, all the different groups are based on geography to make that connecting with one another a little easier you know it's not a a law, you're not going to hell if you pick somebody in northern California and you live in southern California but it's you know, where are we going with this? Nobody in this network is perfect. But we need to be striving for that perfection, to be perfected in the ways of the kingdom. We have so much to do in so little time. And so we're gonna do a little cleaning house. And, you know, the people we got people who were picked as contact ministers on, on a list and they're no longer connected with us at all. And nobody has changed their choice. So last night I sent out the Living Network newsletter, which goes out only to people who have picked contact ministers, so that they could change them over to other guys that are more active. And if they don't do it, so be it. But they're not connected. They won't know about people traveling in their area and people helping one another. They won't be called when there's a tornado or a flood or a famine or gas prices go up to $10 a gallon or food shortages in the store, we won't know who they are. We won't call them. We won't hear their cries in the the ditch. How many times does God say, I will not hear them in that day? Why? Because they didn't come together. They went whoring after other systems and other ideas other than the kingdom of God, the right to be ruled by God, to take care of one another. So anyway, I... I'll ask you, yeah, sometimes I don't know how to take a breath at all this. Um, I, I actually had a little bit of swelling and uh, an injury in the side of my mouth here uh, when I started the show, and it's absolutely completely gone. Amen. <laughs> it's almost completely gone by the, the beginning of Vlad <laughs> Doc. Uh, although I don't know that I can keep this up 24 hours a <laughs> Let's
4: hope it doesn't return.
0: Yeah, well, we'll pray that it doesn't. But uh, uh, we'll give you more on that uh, story later. But I was going to give uh, Paul a chance. Uh, anything going on in the chat room? I should know.
1: <laughs> the Chat room is extremely silent today.
0: They're extremely silent.
1: <laughs> if there are comments, though, it's a really great show.
0: Okay, <laughs> we've got to. We've even distracted the chat room. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's a, that's a sign there. Um, anyway, I was reading from Titus, uh, uh, this is a faithful saying, and these things I will that you, thou affirm, this good works. We need to be building that kingdom. Uh, but it goes on to say, but avoid foolish questions. <laughs> and one of the questions are, are you safe? You can't answer that. (laughs) You would be a judge of your own self. You don't ask somebody if they're saved. You ask somebody, do you seek the salvation of Christ? (laughs) Because they don't know if they're saved. They may be deceived. They may be fooled. They may have been listening to an apostate minister that wants to make them comfortable in their bondage. It's a foolish question to ask somebody if you're saved. It's a great question to ask, do you seek the ways of Christ? Or do you know the ways of Christ? Are you doing the ways of Christ? Are you seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness? You know, it's like saying, were you baptized? Baptized is getting dunked in water. You could have been baptized by Constantine. But Constantine didn't say repent and get baptized. You could ask somebody, are you... In the process of repentance, do you think forgiveness is important? Do you think giving is important? These are a good questions because you're going to get an opinion back. I have an opinion. You have an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. But God's opinion is reality. Are you saved? Don't ask him. He don't know. God knows if he's saved. You know. Christ tells you a whole parable about guys who think they're doing all kinds of stuff and his name and they look at all these great things and he says, get me from you, you workers of iniquity." If you ask every one of those guys, are you saved, they would say, yes, we're saved. Tells you nothing. Absolutely nothing. <laughs> it means nothing that he said that. Now, I will admit, if, like Saul Alinsky says, I dedicate this book to Satan, that's a pretty big red flag. <laughs> Watch what he says. Read the book. Don't pay for it. Get in the library. <laughs> Read the book and find out. You probably can download it for free on the Internet. Find out what he says. Because that's the enemy. Know the enemy. <laughs> but follow Christ. Show me what you're doing. Look, uh, ask the guy, hey, have you been uh, gathering together in the network and connecting with your contact minister? Good question. Does that tells you whether he's making his yes, yes, or his no, no? He says, oh, yeah, I tell my contact minister everything. I If I'm going across the country and I I might have a chance of meeting with other brethren, I tell him where I'm going so that we can meet up with other guys because that's my contact minister. He's going to help. Set up that network with me, with the other guys as I travel, you know, and and I might break down and they might be able to help me if they know I'm going there, you know. We have a rule in this house, although half the people don't follow it all the time, that if you're going to go somewhere, you let us know. Because so, it's a big desert. You know, guys go out on motorcycles. And I've known them, you know, when you used to do hare and hound races uh, back in the old days. When I was a young man. <laughs> you, when you started out, and on races, it's uh, motorcycle races across the desert, you would have to carry a book of matches. Everybody had to have a book of matches. Because you could have an accident and about the only thing you could do after a motorcycle accident was uh, maybe strike a match and start a little brush fire so they could find you. You know, and they knew the route you were going. Somebody takes off out in this desert and we don't know what direction you went in and it's got a lot bigger search pack. <laughs> so we have that rule. So we should have that rule, the, but we don't enforce it with statutes. We don't throw you in jail if you don't keep that rule. But if you're going to be traveling, you should be letting your brothers know. You should want to let your brothers know. You should want to meet others because you're making those connections. You know, it's like playing Red Rover and you're holding this guy's hand and you're holding that guy's hand. But there's a guy five guys down, you don't like him, so you won't hold anybody's hand. Because you don't like him. You don't know if he's gonna really hold up. That's not that's not forgiving. That's not networking, that's not love. You gotta work at this. You gotta learn how to fit together in a kingdom. Congregationalism isn't gonna cut it. So it goes on, avoid foolish questions and genealogies, it's not about race, folks, and contentions, and striving. Hey, wait a minute. Jesus said to strive, and it says to avoid striving. <laughs> Different words. Different Greek word, okay? But striving's about what? Striving's about the law. We've got one law, the law of love. We have a lot of guidelines, but we have one law, the law of love. And the guidelines are flexible. That's why they're called guidelines. But if you're going to row together, I got a a neighbor girl who's on a rowing team. And I can guarantee you, they have to learn to be timed. They're rowing together and working together. So you, you need to become a team. Strive for that. And he goes on to say, for they are unprofitable and vain. You want to be free? Seek the kingdom of God as a righteousness. Seek a network of people that care enough about each other to show up and help one another, to be there for one another. If you can't do that, you should not be free. You should be in bondage. You should be under tribute. You should be paying taxes. Because you don't pay and care enough to pay your time, your energy, and even maybe some money if that's what you want. I like the the personal sacrifices rather than the money. The money's too impersonal. It means more to me because I'm not the one to save you. Christ does. He sees what you're really doing. But I'm only going to fellowship. You know, I might go across the street and help out a guy who's not really kingdom-oriented. I might not, too. But I only want to fellowship with guys going the same way I'm going. You know, you won't tell me where you're going and what you're doing. I'm not going to fellowship with you because I don't see you striving to come together. I see you as forsaking the coming together. And so, fishermen of men, manning the net of Christ, work together as a team. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition, reject. Knowing that he is such is subverted and sinned being condemned of himself. Now, he may appear as a whited sepulcher, but we're told not to judge by appearance, by by what he does. And, of course, if he repented and come back, we forgive him. But we need to see the physical evidence of that repentance. So there's a lot that we need to understand about the kingdom that a lot of people aren't understanding. And we need to understand it quick because... You already see the food prices going up. You see the gas price. Now, the gas prices are probably going to go down a little bit here, but they'll go back up again. I remember when they went up to 170 and then back down to 125. I remember when they went from 18 to 29. I remember when they hit 50 cents. I do how many, that's double. Of course, they weren't going up. It was the value of the money going down. And why is the money going down? Go money versus mammon. Conversion conversion versus reconversion. You've all been worshiping at the golden calf. You've all cast your gold and silver into the streets, into the civil powers, into the polytune of men who exercise authority one over the other. Not like Paul, who lived by faith, hope, and charity. Now, Paul at the beginning was doing it the way of the Pharisees, but repented, went back to the other way left the corporate system of the Pharisees and entered into the corpus of Christ. Now, not by contract and covenant, but by agreement. But by agreement with our kinsman, Christ, who is our Redeemer. But our redemption depends on are we going to do the will of the Father? Are we going to strive to do the will of the Father? Because if we don't, we're not redeemed. We're not redeemed because we said We're not redeemed because we accepted Jesus Christ. We are redeemed because Christ accepted us. And many people are workers of iniquity but say they have accepted Christ. And many people would accept Christ the fishers of men sent by Christ would actually preach the gospel of Christ rather than the gospel of heretics that you are saved because of what you say because of what you think because you accepted Christ you're saved because Christ accepted you and how can you speak for Christ saying you are saved Because he accepted you. Because I don't know that he has accepted you. And I don't know that you know that he's accepted you. You can strive for that acceptance. Righteousness has to do with justification. Being, we talked about this with Paul. Genomos, that's one law. Righteousness is divine law. Are you doing the will of the Father? That is your testimony. That is your profession of faith. That is what we judge by, your works, what you're doing, not what you're saying. So it's a foolish question to ask people to say this. Because those people that Jesus says come into the kingdom, they say, us? Why us? They don't even know they're saved. But they did accept Christ. They accepted the anointing of the in their hearts and in their minds. In Christ that they saw preaching in the false churches. They may have rejected that, but that wasn't the real Christ they were rejecting. The real Christ was in their hearts and the minds. Till next week, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. Thanks, Paul.